Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Jubilee celebration services. We don't just want to hear from the pastor. We want to hear from his wife as well. And so Sister Patsy's going to come and share testimony this evening. Well, I just want to say I've been safe for a long time. I was 18 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. I had just graduated from high school. And um, the disco scene was going on and all that, you know. And, and, but, you know, it's so funny that, you know, Satan was dangling all kinds of stuff in the seven, 60s and he started the 70s. But, you know... Deep down inside, I always knew that it wasn't real. And, you know, and I was empty inside, and I, we just wanted reality, you know? We just wanted something to be real. And, and I was raised in a good home, but, you know, we needed Jesus in our hearts, you know? And my dad came to a point, um, many of you guys know him, his name's Tomas. He comes in and with his little black hat and... He's elderly, and he was praying. He said, God, I don't know what to do with these teenage. My kids are becoming teenagers, you know. But I, I know that God, you know, heard my dad's prayer, and we got, he prayed on his own at home, and then I think God um, saved me to lead him to a gospel preaching church here in 1978 in October when we gave our lives to Jesus. And then my grandma and my mom, my mom's in heaven now, my grandmother, we all got saved as a family. I came from a family. Uh, you know, background of family, you know, I was still young, so, but God just saved my family, my brother, Albert and Jamie, Jamie got saved first, and, um, and my other family, my brother, Louis got saved later on in the family, so I just want to share that a little bit, but I just want to say to make a, not be here so long and talk so much, I just wanted to say that I, I thank God for Pastor Warner, you know, I just don't say that lightly, everybody can, you know, just say that, but you know, he's, he's one of the best and greatest pastors of course he's always been my pastor but you know you all you know I've been we've been around you know and we travel places and he's I just so grateful for him because he's he's a man of obedience you know and because he obeyed God and he's still here and still obeying God and we're so blessed you know and like, you know, Ray said with this building and, and just the acceleration and just moving on and, and, and going forward, you know, and, and I'm grateful for that. It's not a light thing, you know, where, you know, I, I look back and now my, my kids, my grandkids are here. Um, my daughter's in San Antonio, Ani, she married Jack and they're up there. They're in uh, youth directors there. My daughter, Gwendolyn, they're pastoring in Roswell, New Mexico and, uh, but anyways, life has gone on and, and here we are, but I wanted to say I was 18 when I gave my life to Jesus and, um, and I'm just so grateful that I, we just, we, I just, God did a miracle. He, 
He saved us and that, that was it. It was like a strong thing where he saved us. You know, um, what is it called? The bad was bad and the good was good and that was it. There was no middle ground. And we were, didn't come from Christian homes. We were just raw sinners or just false religion sinners, you know, and all that, you know, and God just saved us. And, and we are, you know, our youth group was in the streets, you know, and we started, pre you know, there were pre I saw them preaching, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and that's where everybody was cruising back then and all that era, you know, but I gave my life to Jesus. And I, I'm just so grateful. My friend, a few friends um, that graduated from Sunnyside, we graduated from Sunnyside, it was only Sunnyside High School back then, just one high school. And, um, they would they witnessed to me and I came and I gave my life to Jesus and uh, Dottie Nelson at that time Dottie and her sister Debbie uh, she's Murick now you know and they're married you know they prayed with me at the altar and um, you know and people followed up us Mona followed up on me and called me and and encouraged me you know and came over and other sister uh, Joni Breckenridge and Lucy and Frank Escobar uh, had me and my dad and our family for dinner you know and. And everybody that just reached out to us, you know, it just makes, it just it makes a difference, you know, when people just really connect with you and really reach out, you know, and, and we're just products of that. And we're just so grateful, you know, for that. And I, that's the word that I want to say is that I'm really, all I could say is I'm just really grateful. And I just praise God for his salvation and all the people that have been in our lives and Coming back, like I know my sister Donna, my sister-in-law Donna Ruby was here, and she was just saying it's so important when we come back and, and the saints that have been here since the 1970s are still here, you know, the elder saints that have, you know, just paid the price where they're, you know, they're, they're just been living life, you know, every, every day, every month, every year, you know, and just like us, we were teenagers, and then we were married, and then we were young moms, and then, you know, now, you know, we're, we're raising teenagers, and then, then now we're grandparents, you know, now, you know, and, and, you know, through the levels of my life, God has been through it with me, you know, and I'm just grateful for Maggie and Mary, we all grew up together in the Lord, Mary, and uh, Pat Celia, all of us, you know, and we just clung on to, you know, to each other, and just, you know, did, just live for God every day, and we're just, I'm just grateful for that, and I just want to thank God. Then, of course, I met Ray, you know, and um, I got married, <laughs> I got married, and sorry, I'm nervous, but um, I met Ray, and uh, then we got married, it was like four months before I was 21, and uh, we just, we just, we just served God, and that's all we did. We've been, um, we got sent out when I was 24, and, um, and you know, we've just, we just been out there, and it's so good to come home and come back and see the faithful saints and the church running the way it does. And, you know, it's such a, you know, I'm just so grateful. It's so, so neat to just come back. And we just, we love you, Pastor Warner and Mona. Thank you for everything. We just appreciate you. We're just very grateful for everything. And this church is amazing. Never ceases to amaze me. You guys are amazing. See the, the kids that were just little kids in children's church. And now they're the runners. They run children's church. And all that's gone on here, and we're just grateful for that, and I just want to thank God, and thank you guys. And uh, I think it was a Sunday night, the choirs would, choir would sing on Sunday nights, and I was sitting there that Sunday night, and the choir was singing, and you had to understand, at that point, that there was already 300 people in this church and growing fast. 
So the choir was about 50 people. They were up on the platform singing, and there was this girl standing right in the middle of the choir with a kind of a copper-colored dress on. And I kept looking at her and thinking, is she really the prettiest girl I've ever seen, or is it just my imagination? And I'd blink my eyes and look back, and I couldn't deny it. At that point, I didn't really know her. And uh, God began to move over the course of the months, and, well, the rest is history. And God is a blesser. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you know your Bible, you could probably guess the verse, verse 17. At this time, 45 years ago, two weeks ago, Sunday, which was July the 2nd, 1978, I was in church at the door. It was the first time I'd ever been to church at the door, and I was 18 years old. And the reason why I was in that Sunday night service 45 years ago is because of what had happened the night before, Saturday night. The night before, I had gone to the door because someone told me they were having a concert, and they invited me to go with them, somebody who wanted to check it out, and so we went And this is what I found. There was this little adobe building in the barrio on Veterans Boulevard. And I went in, and there were like 80 to 100 young people sitting on the floor. And there was a little platform on one end, and this band was jamming away, playing popular music. But I knew that they had changed the words. Because those words, that's that's not the words that were on the radio. (laughs) And then a guy got up afterwards and he preached. And I remember feeling powerfully convicted. This guy named Chris came and cornered me and was witnessing to me and I fought him off. And I went home. I was miserable. The next day, which was 45 years ago, two weeks ago on the Sunday afternoon, The same guy called me, said, I'm going to go back. You want to go? I had nothing going on in my life. So I went back thinking it was another concert. But instead of the small adobe building, it was a church building next door. And it was a Sunday night church service. And I sat there listening to Pastor Warner preach. Couldn't remember a thing he said. He then said, bow your heads. And if you want to get saved, raise your hand. And the conviction came back and This same guy found me again and cornered me and witnessed to me and I fought him off. I got dropped off at my house. I walked into the front yard of my parents' home about 9.30-ish on a Sunday night, 45 years ago, July 2nd. And I fell down on my knees and I said these words, if there is a Jesus Christ and you can hear me, And you could do anything with my life, I'll give it to you. Something in my heart said the drugs, and I remember responding in my heart, if you can take them, you can have them, and I stood up. That was my sinner's prayer. I stood up, and I had a very powerful sense of, I guess it was deliverance, because I had no desire to get high. You understand, 
for five years, that's all I did. I lived with a constant craving for the high, and every doper knows what that's like. Morning, noon, and night. If I had to go to bed without getting high, I was depressed. I remember calling people I barely knew at midnight, looking for weed, looking for something to get me high. That was my life. And I stood up that night, July 2nd, 1978, and my desire to get high was just gone, and it was so real I could feel it. And I knew something had happened that was real, and then the thought occurred to me that the Bible would tell me about what had just happened. The Bible would tell me about this Jesus and about what had just happened to me. And I remembered that we had a Bible in our house. It was on the shelf in the bonus room. That's what we called it. No one ever touched it, much less read it, but it was there. I'm not even sure why it was there. But I knew it was there. I walked into the side door of my house. I'd been a Christian for about three minutes. My brother said, hey, Ray, let's go get high. And I looked at him, that would have been music to my ears 15 minutes before. But I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be saved or a Christian, something like that. Because he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, I'll give you two weeks with that. That's what he told me. And he had every right to think that because that's the way I was. But I didn't care. I walked past him and his dope. Went to that shelf, found that black King James Bible, pulled it off the shelf, walked past him again to my room. I closed the door and I opened it. And it happened to open right to the Gospel of Matthew. And I just said, God, you're going to have to show me what this means. And for the last 45 years, he's been doing exactly that. And so if you will indulge me on this special occasion of the 50th, I would like to share a few thoughts about 45 years ago today. Well, not today, two weeks ago. I preached this two weeks ago. That's why it says today, but it's actually two weeks ago. 2 Corinthians 5, one very familiar and powerful portion of Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Lord Jesus, thank you that you heard me and that you responded to save my soul and to transform me forever. I'm grateful and I only pray that you continue to do the work that you started until it is completed unto your coming in the name of Jesus, amen. 45 years ago. First of all, it's very clear and I'm going right to the point. If anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. And the word that I'm focusing on is that word anyone. If anyone is in Christ, because if anyone can be in Christ, then everyone can be in Christ. That is the best news for somebody like me who had dug such a deep hole in my life. I was digging and digging and digging and dug such a big hole and somehow in my madness I was convinced that if I just kept digging that I could dig my way out. But the hole just got bigger. But if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And if anyone can be in Christ, then that means everyone can be in Christ. We can bring him the biggest mess ever made by human hands. A mess so big that there's no possible human way 
of ever getting out of that mess. So big that it would take a miracle to free us from the trap of our own making, and yet God will do that. He can take that mess and do a miracle. I was trapped. I was trapped by my own choices, uh, and my life was nosing in, and I knew it. For years, people had tried to tell me that I needed to change my life. I needed to stop making the choices I was making, and I would argue with them, and I'd tell them, no, I know what I'm doing. Uh, I got it together. I, I got it under control, but at this point, I knew they were right. At this point, I knew I was nosing in. The problem is I couldn't do anything about it. My nose, as it were, was, was dipped downward below the horizon, and I was picking up speed. And I knew it was only a matter of time before I nosed in, and I had no way to free myself without a miracle from God. And if God hadn't done a miracle that day, if he hadn't accepted that feeble sinner's prayer that I said in a matter of seconds on the ground, on my knees, then I would have nosed in. The disaster would have been inevitable. But 45 years ago, July 2nd, about 9.30 at night, God had mercy on me. That's all I can tell you. He heard that feeble sinner's prayer. He accepted my repentance. He came rushing into my life and he loosed me from my bonds. That's why I said I prayed that prayer and something in me said the drugs. And I, was, I said in return, take them. If you can have them, you can, uh, if you can take them, you can have them. Because I couldn't, I wasn't going to stop myself. If God had required me to clean up my act before I was a Christian, I'd be in hell right now. He wasn't asking me to clean up my act. He wasn't asking me to get my life together. He was asking me to surrender my sin and to repent. And when I was willing to do that in my heart, he saved me. He saved me from my sins. He saved me. He rescued me. You know what that means? We talk about being saved. You need to get saved. What does it mean to get saved? That means you're drowning. That means you're drinking seawater. That means you're about to go under for the last time. You're going to die. And somebody at the last moment reaches his hand in and grabs you by the scrub of your neck and yanks you away from death and disaster. You're saved. You're rescued. That's what he did for me 45 years ago. That's what Jesus did. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. What's a, crea what's a new creation? A new creation is something that had never been before. Something that didn't exist before. It's a new creation. What does that mean? That means when I got saved that night, I didn't just get religion. I didn't just get religious. I didn't change religions. I didn't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I didn't get rehabbed. I got saved. I got born again. I got redeemed. I was converted. I was transformed from the inside out by a very powerful miracle of God's grace. I became a brand new creation. I was different. I was saved a matter of minutes and I was different. That's why I could walk into the house and my brother could say, hey, Ray, let's go get high. And it would have been automatic. I would have pivoted. We'd have walked right back outside and we would have got high and I would have been a happy camper at least for an hour or so. But I was a new creation. I didn't just get a new idea. I didn't just think, well, I'm going to give this a try. I was a new creation. 
I looked at him without even batting an eye, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. You got to understand, the reason why my brother said that to me is because he was getting high because he followed my example. And now, I looked at him and I was like, I was a, like he was a foreign creature. No, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be a born-again Christian. Something really lame like that because he looked at me like I was crazy. I was a new creation. It, a new creation means something that didn't exist before. I had a new nature inside of me. I was a new person. That new nature thinks differently. It feels differently. It acts differently. I was a new person that had been created by God and for God's own purpose. That's what happened. And again, I was only saved a matter of minutes. Secondly, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things have passed away. That night, I made a clean break from the past at that very moment. Though I didn't fully understand it at that time, I look back now and I can see that very distinctly. As a matter of fact, let me describe to you the sense that I had. I was born in 1959, and I was raised in the 60s, and I was that first generation of children bound by television. I watched television hours a day. And what it reminded me of is when I would be sitting in front of that television, totally engrossed in whatever program I was watching. And there I'm watching and I'm deciding, wondering how Gilligan is gonna get himself out of this mess. And then all of a sudden, we interrupt this program to bring you a very special report or whatever. And so you kind of, you're jarred and something new breaks in on what you were involved in, absorbed with, and the new thing interrupts and you never go back to the old. That's what it felt like. I was going through my life being me, doing what I was doing, and then I prayed that prayer on my knees in my front yard, and then that July night, and all of a sudden, God broke in on my life. And he totally said, you know what? What was been, had been happening is no longer happening, and there's something brand new. And there was this clean break in my life with the past. I sensed immediately that somehow my plans and my dreams for my future were suddenly and completely off the table. You know what I also sensed? God's complete indifference to my will and to my ideas. That this God who had just saved me had his own plans. That his will and his purpose for my life would be so full and so comprehensive that there would be no room for anything else. And as I began those first feeble steps to be a Christian, it became very clear to me that the biggest enemy of my future was my past. I said the biggest enemy of my future was my past and I had to make a choice to sever myself from the life I was living. I had to make a choice to sever myself from the old ways of thinking, my old ways of reasoning, my old attitudes. 
I had to be willing to judge the sin of pride and rebellion, of uncleanness and laziness. My old self was poison, and my past was my, the biggest threat to my future, and I had to make a choice. I had to cast off the old priorities and embrace new priorities. And so that has very practical application. It affected my relationships immediately. Every relationship I had in life had to be redefined. Some had to be discarded. When I got saved that night, there was a girl out there wearing my engagement ring. She found out what I did. Over time, my intention to be a Christian, to serve God, she didn't share that desire. And I remember praying to God and asking God, first of all, to help me with that, to bless the relationship, I mean, if we were going to get married. Then over time, I began to pray, God, is this even your will? Is this even right? Then I began to pray, God, get me out of it. And it was a Tuesday night. She was not happy. She took off the ring. She handed it to me. And she was making a very clear statement. Make a choice, dude. Me or Jesus. I took the ring, put it in my Levi pocket. And that was the last I ever saw her. That was a Tuesday night. The reason why I remember it was a Tuesday night, because on Wednesday night, I was in church. And we had a guest preacher, and the guest preacher was taking this special offering for something uh, that, we, that needed to happen. And as my head was bowed, I remember thinking, God, I wish I just had some. I checked my pocket, and it was in there. And the play went by, and I went, clink. <laughs> End of that, set free. <laughs> and it wasn't long after that before that I was sitting in a Sunday night service, the choir was singing, and the rest was history. Every relationship was redefined. Some had to be discarded. I had a lot of old friends. When I say friends, I mean that in quotation marks. We were friends if we had dope. But if nobody had any dope, we didn't care if we hung around or not. But my old friends became a harvest field or not at all. I said my old friends became a harvest field or not at all. My relationship in my family changed. My relationship with my parents, my relationship with my brothers, my little sister, my relatives. I loved them more than I ever loved them. And for the first time in my life, I used to pray earnestly for them to be saved. And you know what happened? I became acutely aware of my testimony. That's just another way of saying my example. I became acutely aware of how I was living and how they saw me. Because I was well aware of what a bad influence that I had been. On my brothers especially. 
I was acutely aware of how Satan had used my sin to snare my brothers, putting them into the crosshairs. And I remember Friday and Saturday, Sunday nights, being at home in my room by myself, on my knees, praying for my brothers, praying that God would save them, but I was praying, God, spare them. Don't let Satan kill them tonight. See, I'm talking about old things passing away and the realization that my past was the biggest threat to my future and the fact that Satan would try to use my past to bring me down. Every temptation that he threw at me was out of my past. All the sin that used to bind me was the very sin with which he would use to tempt me. I used to, after I got saved, I hadn't even been saved long. I never got phone calls from girls asking me where the party was. And they, I started to get phone calls. And I remember one time, they said, my brother said, yeah, some girl wants to talk to you. So, hello. Some girl I remember from high school. And she was being real friendly, asking me where the party was. And I'm feeling really awkward. I'm like, well, um, I really don't go to parties anymore. Um, you know, I'd only been saved a couple weeks at the most. I probably sounded like a complete dork. <laughs> but I just wanted to get off the phone. But the devil was trying to use my past to bring me down. You know, the devil's been rewriting history from the beginning. That's nothing new. He, was trying to, he tries to rewrite your history. He tries to sanitize it and make it seem like you were having such a great time. Wouldn't you love to go back and do that again? Yeah, I was having such a great time I got saved. It's like the Hebrews in the wilderness longing for the slavery of Egypt because they're having such a great time. They say your past is the enemy of your future. And there would even be times, though, when the devil would hammer me because my life of sin, I did things, I said things that didn't just hurt me, but hurt other people. And he used those memories to try to condemn me and tear me down. Romans 7, 24, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Galatians 2, 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That word behold is an emphatic word that means look. Whenever you read that word in the Bible, the speaker is directing your attention somewhere. Look, look at this. Behold, all things have become new. In this text, the apostle Paul is writing to the reader and he's saying, put your focus, put your gaze on what is before you. Put your eyes on the new, forget the old. That's behind you. Put your attention on what is new. Can I tell you something? You want to serve God? You want to be a Christian? 
You want to make heaven your home? You want to be the man, the woman God created you to be? Then when you get up in the morning, you choose where you're going to put your gaze. You choose what you're going to behold. And he says, behold, all things have become new. What's he saying? He says, you need to put your focus on what is new. Forget the old. Put your focus on the new. On the new things. That word new is kainos in the Greek. It means something that is unique and was never before. It's brand new. It's the life of a new creature. Behold that. Look at it. Focus on that. Behold the new. And you know what new implies? It implies that which is undiscovered. Undiscovered. The more I live for God, the more I have begun to realize that this Christian life is one startling discovery after another. In the very beginning, one startling discovery after what a mind blower to serve God. And it never stops. The more you grow in God, the more uh, uh, God works in you and works through you. It's one amazing, startling discovery after another. And can I tell you something? It's going to become greater. The discoveries are going to be larger. And just wait till this life is over. You're going to have a thousand years of mind-blowing discovery. And that's just the beginning. We get to that Revelation 21 stuff, friend, and the discoveries have just started. Behold, all things have become new. The old's poison. Get your eyes off of the past. Get your gaze off of the old, that which is dead. Put your eyes on that which is brand new. And the God of heaven is going to lead you to one startling discovery after another. One thing I can tell you about 45 years is it went by awfully fast. And I know you're young and you say, well, that's just how you old people talk. The time goes by and you chuckle. (laughs) Old people talk like that. Because for you, life drags, time drags. But it goes by fast. I remember an an experience I had. I was 28 years old. And uh, we had come to Tucson, I think, a couple of days early before the conference. I was staying at my parents' house, and it was probably the Sunday night before, and I was standing in the front yard about 10 o'clock at night, and all the sights and sounds and smells were like they were when I was growing up. Nothing seemed to change. And just right over there is where I prayed to get saved. And it seemed like 10 years had just flown by, like I had stepped on a fast train, and boom, I was 10 years later. We were passing the church in Salt Lake City, and I remember standing there, and it hitting me that I'd been a Christian for 10 years, that I had a wife and two kids, and that I was a pastor of a church. How weird was that? 
but just the sensation that it had flown by in an instant. Well, that was 10 years. I'm talking about 45 years. It flies by. That night, as I began to wrap this up, as I stood there, just a little disoriented, realizing that I didn't even want to get high and feeling how real it was, I had that question in my mind, what do I do now? And you know what's amazing? 45 years later, that's still the question. What do I do now? We read 2 Corinthians 5.17. What's amazing is that if you keep reading, it tells you. Verse 18 says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What do I do now? That's what I do now. I went back to the door the following Sunday morning. I remember walking in. I was late. That was my usual MO in those days. They seated me kind of in the middle of the row. The place was packed out. People were standing and singing. And I was standing there listening to them sing. And I liked singing. And I, it sounded good. I was blessed and encouraged. And then Pastor Warner said, let's worship God. And the place erupted. And the person on my right and my left in front of me, they are at the top of their voices speaking in this unknown language. It wasn't English. It wasn't Spanish. And something told me, hey, this ain't church as usual. <laughs> Something's going on here that is real and powerful. And God was able to impress on me, though I didn't know anybody there. He said, I don't care if you have to drive 25 minutes or 30 minutes. I want you here. And so I just began to go back. Went back Sunday night. Went back Wednesday. Went back Sunday. And then they heard about, you know, we're going to have an outreach or a concert on Friday. And I just started to show up. That's all I did was just be there. And then Pastor Warner mentioned something called a prayer meeting. Seven o'clock in the morning. All right, I'll check it out. I went, and all the people there, they were just praying. So I sat down, and I just listened, and just tried to copy Pastor Warner or what other people were doing. And that's where it started. Whenever the doors were open at the door, I was there. And God began to lead me step by step. What do I do now? That's what I did. He grafted me into his ecclesia, began to serve God. That December, I got the first real job I ever had, and I kept it till I went into the ministry. April of the next year, my brother Richard went to a Saturday night concert and got saved. My brother Herb, about a week later, my brother Fred with him. 
And then a few months later, my brother Ernie. And then about three years later, my little sister came to Que Onda Ese. <laughs> and my 16-year-old little sister gave her heart to Jesus that night. And she's still serving God today. Though my parents insisted she couldn't go to the door. But that's another sermon. <laughs> but God began to move. And over the years, I can say with confidence that my parents have gone to be with Jesus. And God is good. God is faithful. 45 years in an instant. And like I said this morning, no fatigue. I get tired a lot easier than I used to. I take a good nap and I'm ready to go. But it's a sense, you know what? The best is yet to come. We got some momentum. This thing's about to hit turbo speed. And we just need to hang on and be ready for what God is going to do. He's taught us. He's equipped us. He's prepared us. I mean, think about how many people are sitting here right now that have lived for Jesus most of your life. And not just lived for Jesus. You've obeyed God. Being used by the Holy Ghost for most of your life. That's not for nothing, folks. That means God's preparing to do what he really wants to do. And it's going to be awesome. It's the very reason for why he saved us in the first place. At 50 years, we are perfectly positioned for what is next. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.